Building better players. Building better games. This is playing the role. Welcome back to Playing the Role, the podcast all about being better role players, better GMs, and just maybe even better people. Probably not the last one, but the first two for sure. I'm Nathan Stone. Jury's out on that. Yeah. With me today is Darcy Robinson. Hello. And Dylan Campbell. You said that like there's something wrong. I was going to say jo- Dylan Joseph Campbell, and yeah. I was like, no, that's his bit. I don't want to do his bit. <laughs> I was also thinking of doing that bit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's out there now, I guess. It is. <laughs> Dylan Joseph Campbell. All right. Uh, gentlemen, let's jump right in here to our new and noteworthy segment. Television 8 News presents Bothered About Dungeons and Dragons. Well, the headlines tonight. Dungeon Master and Hobgoblins, Dwarves, Elves, and Havelings. New and noteworthy. This is where we talk about uh, things that we are thinking about in terms of role-playing, maybe new stuff in the industry or just stuff going on in our lives. Uh, Dylan, I know you've got some things to mention. Why don't you start us off this time? Oh, I'm going to take up so much time because I have so much to say and I'm doing so much. Oh boy, he's been talking about this for a while. Uh, Well, I'll get to it. I'll save it for last because it's my favorite. (laughs) And it's so soon. Uh, Up here back home, because that's where I am right now, uh, uh, I have been running uh, no games physically, but I have been playing in one uh, every Wednesday with my original GM uh, from when I started playing almost 10 years ago now. Uh, and that's been an absolute joy to finally see these people in person after nearly two years of, you know, on and off, come home for Thanksgiving, see them maybe for a one shot and then, well, gotta go. Uh, so that's been lovely and I can't wait to spend the next few weeks, uh, getting my last little licks in with them online. Oh my, I'm just an online GM now. That's all I do. That's all I do is run games online for people and only new players still. It's addicting, isn't it though? It is. It's, I kind of love it because it's like, I don't have to draw anymore and I can just take maps from other things. And uh, I use Tailspire, which is a... Fantastic. Yeah, a big digital tabletop map builder, atmospheric setting. Uh, But I've been running two games online, each for the same sort of overarching campaign, but I've separated the players to where they sort of have their own individual stories and then they coalesce to uh, to tell that story together. Uh, I have you, Darcy. That's right. I have, I have you sort of guesting in one of these games soon. So I'm making like, there's a big web just sort of, because it's new players. You're not though. I love new players, but it's always good to have some like experienced blood to where you can kind of, you know, help them out a little bit, teach them a few things see how the game can be played at a really higher narrative level. And then, you know, you dip out. They sort of take that experience. And you could even come back. Maybe even you, Nathan Stone. Whoa. Who knows? Who knows? You know, I think I did uh, I think I did a lot for just a side character in this. As I've mentioned previously, I like to go in-depth with characters. And I've put Dylan through quite a bit of that. And I feel like... I always feel like, did I do too much this time? No. No, I've been I've been sitting on uh, the soil remembers the bones for a bit, and that's always a nice one. I, I have that written down, by the way. It's important. It's uh, everything I say. The, the DM motto. I I, I will use <laughs> that. <laughs> and uh, 
There's three things, but there's mainly one thing. Uh, finally. It's Baldur's Gate 3, everyone! Baldur's Gate 3, by the time of this recording... There it is! It comes out in six days! By the time you're probably listening to this, I'm already playing it. And I'm already gone from the face of the earth. I've been looking forward to this game three years. We probably haven't seen him in, like, weeks. Please send help. If anybody has seen him, please uh, give us a call. Uh, we're really... I've rewritten my email to the police. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're probably really worried at this point. Uh, please help us. <laughs> For those of you unaware, Baldur's Gate 3, a uh, CRPG, computer role-playing game, based off of the 80s titles, Baldur's Gate 1 and 2, 90s. developed... But, 90s? Yeah, 90s. Are you yeah. really? They came out both yes. in the 90s? They both came out in the 90s, yeah. Fake fan. I never I, played I'm them. old enough to remember that. <laughs> Did you play them? I played Baldur's Gate 1. I never played the second one. Well, there's a third one now you could play. I've, mm, uh, so I've heard. I've never actually played a Baldur's Gate game before. It's about... There's, so there's a city called Baldur's Gate, and you go to it. And that's what the game's about. The end. The end! <laughs> If there was, if that's all there was, I would have gotten back hours of my life of from Dylan just talking about this game nonstop. <laughs> it's all that's been on my mind. It's developed by the same people who made uh, the Divinity games, Divinity Original Sin One and Two, uh, and it's. I think they've said it has like over seventeen thousand permutations for an ending. Just little differences. It's over hundred hours. It's just this massive. It is the best, I think, D&D or tabletop, like, conventional role-playing experience digitized, given digital form. Dylan, you've just hit on one of the things I hate about getting older, because you're telling me all of these these things about how expansive the game is, how big it is, how 17,000 permutations of endings, and it just makes me exhausted thinking about it. Right. But like if I was your age, when I was your age and like Elder Scrolls Oblivion was was out. Right. Like I I poured like 400 hours into that game. Easy, easy, almost almost flunked out of university because I loved playing that game too much. And and now I can't I can't do anything that large anymore. It's just I I think about it and I'm just like, I'm never going to finish anything in this game. It's it's too much. It's too expansive. And I hate that because I, I think it's just me being an old man now. But I'm excited that you're excited for it. I am very much looking forward to hearing about your exploits in this game. The days are 48 hours each, not 24. That's what they feel like. Uh, I can't wait for Baldur's Gate 3. <laughs> oh, gosh. I'm, I'm in, uh, as the middle child here, I'm, I'm in that midway point of discovering what Nathan means, but also, like, buying into Dylan's hype at the same time. And it's like, oh, man... I don't, I don't think I would ever be able to finish that something like that because I would just keep getting distracted from real world adult stuff. Yeah, you haven't taken me yet. I'm <laughs> st- still young in the yeah. heart. Yeah. Now you in- enjoy this time, Dylan. I will. Because it, it's it's coming for you, but I want you to I want you to really enjoy the uh, the the last rays of freedom of the setting sun of of not having adult responsibilities. I'll thrash and I'll kick and I'll cry yeah. like a like a babe out of the womb. Rage against the dying of the light. <laughs> it's just getting very philosophical. 
<laughs> no kidding. <laughs> Darcy, why don't you go next here? What's uh, what's new and noteworthy in, in your uh, role-playing life? Or just life? Good gravy, folks. I've had a hell of a time with my uh, TTRPG experience over the last little bit. As you know, uh, I run a game. For, it's, it's a nautical-themed game for, like, for just five people. I do it online. Uh, thanks to Dylan's help, I have optimized my experience on it, having a music bot. And I actually uh, have made, uh, before Dylan introduced me to Tailspire, and I still kind of do sometimes, uh, I've been making all of my maps in Photoshop for specific things, which is a lot, but... I really enjoy doing that. Um, I've gotten pretty good at it, so they say. For this game, I had my players like stop by an island that belonged to that was the home of one of the main characters. I have a pacing issue. <laughs> I have a pacing issue quite a bit, and they've been uh, stuck in a dungeon for like for two sessions in a row now, when it was only really supposed to be a one and done thing, and it's going on a third. Because do they uh, do they want to be there, or do you kind of want to get them out? Well, I mean, they are exploring, and they want to they want to see what everything is, of course. But at the same time, uh, I feel like sometimes they've just been like dilly dallying and whatnot. Uh, so it's hard to say. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one because sometimes, yeah, sometimes you want to move things along, but the players are, are they've found whatever latest thing strikes their interest and you spend three sessions on something that should have taken, you know, an hour. But it, it's tough, though, because if they're having fun, you're just like, mm, well, you know, is this the worst thing in the world? I, I do get impatient sometimes when I'm running games and, you know, they're, it's it's something that you know isn't going to have much of an effect on anything, but the players are fixated on it. Yes. Uh, case in point, I gave them a journal, and that was a mistake. What? Because, <laughs> like, they decided, I'm going to read the whole thing right now in this cave. <sighs> well, <laughs> no, you're not, but you are. You do, but you don't, <laughs> because I don't imagine you have, you know... 30, 40 pages of a journal all outlined just sitting there as no one should expect you to. I had a few blurbs written out. Perfect. But I had lost the notes on that and I had to retype them during the session, which was so frustrating. It, it was it was a thing, but they fin- we finally got them to a boss battle, which, <laughs> which guess what? Party split again because the captain decided to leave the... F- cave uh to save a person while everybody else is stuck that's your curse (laughs) party splits i don't do it intentionally that's the thing you gotta make a rule where they have to hold hands just all the time they hold hands or some kind of ancient curse uh just disintegrates all of them that's that's how you gotta do it (laughs) you know that would kind of be interesting and i feel like they would just hate it so much after the fact but you know what it might be worth it it might be worth it in the end there's that on one hand but on the other hand i'm also in an online game right now i'm in two online games one of which i thought uh went to uh absolute garbage after my dm had a mental breakdown live 
Uh, we talked about it. I had a little solo session with him uh, earlier on, and I think we salvaged a pretty great uh, deal out of it, honestly. So, like, I'm really happy with that because, like, I thought my character was... Well, my character was drastically changed by the reveal of a secret plot going on that ended up just not going anywhere. It was like... What am I going to do with this character now? If this whole reveal was just orchestrated by my own people, like, why should I even bother trying to lead them? I ended up coming up with a solution, and I think I've actually uh, am able to, uh, to do something now, because we're in a tournament arc, and I've decided, you know what? Let's, let's do a bit of a cheeky heel turn here. And eventually with the ultimate goal of letting my people decide what they want rather than somebody else in the shadows. I do like the uh, sneaky heel turns because I think if, if you see anything in wrestling, it's good for role playing because wrestling is just this wonderful dramatic soap opera and drama makes role playing great. It really does. So I, more people should, should borrow from, from wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> as weird as that sounds. Well, and that's exactly it. In a situation of a tournament arc, too, it's the perfect excuse to use that. And at this point, that's, that's why I think this worked out a lot better. And of course, there's the other thing that I'll mention here. I've told the both of you, uh, but I'll, I'll say it again on here. So it's like, uh, my character was set to guard the leader of the Goliaths, who has been oppressing my people for generations. Uh, and so, like, I think to myself, like, yeah, sure. Like, it's bad that a demon is, uh, like, wants souls, but at the same time, why am I guarding someone that I don't even like? Long story short, I didn't. And the, uh, I let the demon, I let the demon cultist that was out for his head, I'm just like, you want to kill him? Go right ahead. Oh, I'm not going to let you have the soul, though. That I took in the soul stone, but <laughs> into a soul stone, which got him real mad. But you know what? I, I felt real good about that because it's like, well, that was uh, the big oppressor that I just got out of the way now. And now it's up to me to decide where my people go from here and how what my people take away from it. So I'm feeling real good about that. Nice, nice. I'm glad that you guys were able to to salvage something that you've been like you enjoy so much out of what was basically a disaster of a uh, of an arc kind of going on. So it really was, and it made for some horrible. It made my character look like a complete jerk too. the The whole thing was like I was cursed, but so that like I couldn't talk about my uh, people's. Uh, like, essentially, people being forced to fight to the death in this. And, like, the whole plot behind that. And it, and it, and it fell through hard. The DM did not deliver on that. Um, it left me in a weird spot, because it's just like, in the end, oh, like, none of it was actually happening. That's the, that's the worst kind of storyline. <laughs> Never do that. It's a terrible storyline, yeah. And it was all orchestrated by, like, some of my own people. And it's like, oh, no. That's, uh, that's 
no, that changed a, that changed a lot. But n now I have a solution, and so to put that into effect feels really nice. So my DM made up for it. Nice. That's stellar. I'm glad so much is going on with you guys, because uh, I've got nothing in terms of role-playing <laughs> at all. This is just not, this is not happening right now. The closest I have is uh, me role-playing as an entrepreneur in real life, yeah. <laughs> which is higher stakes uh, and, and somewhat less exciting maybe than than your average uh role-playing game well exciting for us but maybe not so much for the uh <laughs> for the uh, the poorer audience here so I, I won't go into too much but there there is a lot of uh there is a lot of that old fake it till you make it energy going around here these days right people asking me for things and i'm like yeah I, I can do that i can do that and you know meanwhile i'm furiously googling on my phone like how do you write a business plan and just like all right i'll, I'll I, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out for tomorrow. Not a problem. <laughs> you know what you do, Nathan? You know what you do? You uh, you use all of that knowledge, and you somehow add it into, <laughs> into the next game you DM. That's it. <laughs> I don't know how you do it, but <laughs> you can. You just do it that way. There you I'm go. Make you guys play as corporate raiders, and it'll be a, it'll be a <laughs> game about uh, you know filling out documents and uh, you know looking for undervalued companies. And it'll be, it'll be <laughs> Super exciting. Dungeons and desk jobs. <laughs> That's it. It's a new system you're making. It is. Course. It's a brand new system <laughs> that uh, you know, no one's going to want to play, uh, except maybe for middle managers somewhere. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to I'm gonna leave it there for, for my new and noteworthy because there's really not much uh, going on around here. So that brings us to our discussion segment. Listen to me very carefully. It's the discussion. Bro, what are you talking about, man? Listen up. So today we're talking about character creation from both sides of the, the table. And uh, last episode, we kind of looked at your, your very, f you know, deciding to start a game. So we're going a little sequentially here with these episodes and looking at the, uh, the, the art of character creation. And we're going to talk a little bit about May, what makes characters a good character or a bad character, uh, avoiding overused tropes. And I want to talk a little bit about collaborative character design as well, because that is a, a theme that I feel very passionately about. And I, I feel like doesn't get as much attention as it should. But let's start off simple here. What are the kind of things that make a character good or bad? Right. When you're we all GM and, you know, you get the you get the character sheet or you get the the pitch right from the player and sometimes you're just like mm, yes like i i love where you're going with this and other times you're just like this is insane this isn't what you have brought me is a bunch of pleasant nonsense <laughs> right and, and uh you can get all points in between so i'm sure dylan has a lot to talk about on this <laughs> yeah dylan why don't you start us off here what yeah what are your your red flags and green flags when it comes to character creation my green flags because it's always good to start with the good and then with the bad um, is I want characters to be, first and foremost, grounded in the setting or game I'm running. Whatever that is, you know, if I'm running, I typically, it's high fantasy. It's almost always high fantasy, but let's say I'm not. Let's say I'm running, you know, a gritty, you know, almost 1920s, dark, like, investigation, and you make, you make, you you come into me and you say, hello, my name is... 
My name is Sir. I don't want to. I can't say his name. It's Oppenheimer. I. I'm just thinking of the movie. And you do the silly voice, and you come in, and it's like, no, no, ground him to the world. I want to engage you as a DM. I want you to live that sort of fantasy or whatever outlet you're trying to get. But at the same time, I want it to make sense to what we're doing, right? So that it's believable. We want to make believable characters. There's a time and a place to make sort of one notes. But you want high fantasy. I'm an elf mage. Oh, that's perfect. And then, sure, very basic. Let's run with it. What's your idea? Why are you different? What makes you unique? And if the player doesn't have an idea, I work with them. I shoot them a bunch of options of like, here are some of my ideas based on what you've given me, your descriptor. Because the end game for me is to be as much of their character as they are, as the DM and or GM, and um, understand them to their core. Because sort of off topic a little bit, Sometimes players can't make it to a game. And one of my favorite things to do is run them well if no one else wants to do it. And know that I, who has had basically as much of a hand in their creation as them to this setting or to this game, know them inside and out. Um, I want the big W's. The big questions, especially for new players who are my common type of player. I ask, who are you? What do you want? And what are you doing? Where are you from? And where are you trying to go? And why are you doing this right now? Of course, I'll give them prompts. Of course, I'll help them along the way. But that's sort of, you need to answer that to really have a, that believable person, that character who's on a mission, who's tied to either other people. But uh, for bad red flags, you know, bad characters... These are your, you know, I'm, we all expect them, I'm Dark Elf Moonstar, and you come up and here's your, here's your rogue soul knife from this random place that has no bearing on the setting, and you're just like, what is this? Why is he level three? That's very, you know, that's hy- hyperbole, hyperbole, ah! hyperbole, <laughs> no, it's hyperbole, um, <laughs> in that he's, you walk up to the table, without wanting to engage with the GM and the setting. You don't have any engagement for your character. You're just here to, you know, sometimes it's a number of games for people. Sometimes any system, most of the time, has numbers involved, and that's the fun for some people. But, you know, role-playing is in the name of the game in an RPG. So I want your character to engage with not only the setting, the story, but have some sort of tangible tie to it to, once again, ground them. Um, of course, bad characters, they're one note. They're even detrimental to the game at hand. And bad characters aren't indicative of bad players, but it, bad characters can breed bad players. But I want, I, want to, I, want to, I want to breach that gap, bridge that gap, and I, wanna, I want to understand your character as much as you do. And I want to make them this cool... If you want to be a cool guy, I want you to be a cool guy. And I want to make that happen. But you can't just be Duskstar Moonblade and call it a day, unfortunately. Yeah, those are great points, Dylan. Darcy, why don't you hit us next? Um, yeah, red flags, green flags? 
Two things I ask for people is to have an idea for a character, first and foremost. To have that spark. And for them to also have an objective. To, for them to find something or do something else in the world. To make them engaged with something. It doesn't matter, honestly, even if they have a one-note personality... You can still work with that, and as long as they're willing to work with you on that, you can give them little things. There's been, I made the analogy last time of, like, the one person who's like, I just want to be a Disney princess from the Feywild. I gave them, like, magic items and whatnot. So she had, like, a, a talking sword and shield. Uh, and so I used that to craft the story around it. She uh, didn't actually have a, like a goal in mind. Well, no, the goal, in, the goal was to run away from her parents, uh, to, to get out of that life. Anyway, so I'm like, oh, you, wanna, you, want, you want a reason to leave your family? I could give you a reason to leave your family. And so I wove this intricate plot about, uh, <laughs> about uh, her sword and shield being possessed by actual souls of the of the family and like and gave a reason to fear her family in that regard and kind of like look into it and kind of want to leave that as a result and uh so like even the smallest of like one note characters if you pry enough you can get some gold out of that and that's something that I love doing is just so my green flags, I guess, would be like, so yes, they have to have an idea for a character. They have to have a uh, an objective, and they just have to be willing to talk and willing to accept what's coming to them. You know, uh, so that would be something that I would look forward to. Now, red flags are another thing altogether. Because at this point, I've had, uh, I've had to deal with a few people. One of, the, one of my red flags is someone that's like completely unwilling to interact with, uh, with your environment. If they don't care, if they're just like there, if they're, if they're just vibing and, not, and just going along with it, like, and, and just fade into the background as a result... I hate that in a character. It's like, you're not a side character here. You are a main character. This plot is focused around you. There's stuff for you to do, and you're just not doing any of that. So, like, if you're not willing to interact with your own, with, with like, your own party, or willing to interact with your own environment, and especially if you're not willing to interact with your own DM, now... There are exceptions to this. I got a note from a character, uh, from a player once. She said, like, I want to make this character, but only if I have a smart character to call me out on my bullshit. Is that a thing? <laughs> if not, I will not make this character. She, wa she, she essentially made the most chaotic, evil character I've ever seen, who's just willing to hack and slash his way to, uh, uh, through anything, and essentially 
what she wanted for this character was like, okay, this needs to this needs to be balanced out by like a smart character to keep this guy in check. To to have that power struggle. That's what they wanted out of that. So it was interesting to want that dynamic from a character. I think it's fascinating. It's more than just being, you know, your standard murder hobo, kill everything in your path. That that becomes detrimental in itself. But when you do that with the precise motion to be reeled in by your uh, fellow players, I think that makes it a little better. So I guess context matters. But again, that comes to being willing to interact with your party. And some of that goes back to just player personality as well. Because you can have a player that makes a good character, but then plays that character terribly. Or just fades into the background, right? Even if they've got an interesting backstory. But yeah, it's it's interesting that both of you guys mentioned kind of the, the one-note characters. Because I, I do think there is value in at least having a note to start from. And it's a really good place to start, right? And it kind of comes back to, to tropes, which we'll, we'll talk about for a while. So um, Dylan, your, your classic one is, uh, you know, the Dark Star, Moonblade. Dusk Star. Dusk Star. I'm, dusk sorry. Star. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Very important. Dusk Star. I'm sorry. He dusk likes star. stealing things uh-huh. and killing people. Yeah. Okay. This is, I mean, that's a start to a character, not one that I particularly like, but a lot of times you can use those, those single notes. You can use those tropes, right? Where someone has clearly made this character, but in your setting and you can kind of challenge them to, to make it a little bit more unique, give it some twists. And I don't think there's anything wrong with if someone has a a concept that they really want to play or they have a, a character from a show that they're in love with and they really want to do something like that to be like, okay, like you can, you can do this. You can make this concept, just make it your own. Right. Like I want to see, I want to see you give it a twist. I want to see you give it something that makes it not just this character. Character development is important. Darcy, you said something earlier. I'm so sorry to interrupt Nathan. I've just, I want to get this out while it's still kind of fresh in that, uh, characters' personalities uh, can often, especially for new players, as I'm familiar with, can start out very bare bones, but it's through playing that they grow and they actually, that character blossoms more. Some of my favorite characters have been just sort of space wizard and that's it. And over time, it's like I played it. I'm like, oh, I can do so much with this. I didn't even think about this. And I just, I keep going because the game actually develops it. Right. Absolutely. It's so cool to see a character flourish like that just from a tiny little note. And that should be part of the point of of any game, right, is to see how the characters change, how they develop. And I think a lot of folks that play kind of the the more old school type of games, right? So like the advanced Dungeons and Dragons and some of those newer games that kind of ape that style of hyper violent hyper uh, lethal type of games they do just make template characters right like this is this is elf rogue number two (laughs) and if they survive long enough right they they become story they get more of a, a personality to them but it really depends on the type of game that you're running and 
I think for you guys, what's interesting is where you're running games that go on longer, right? You have more of a chance at this this kind of character development. So you can have characters that start off with like farm boy adventurer, doesn't know what he's doing type of thing, has a personality of a potato. Eventually, you know, he becomes Sir Reginald, the thrice knighted slayer of bog goblins. And that's awesome, right? Like that that is what you want. I think, though, if you're playing a shorter game, so I, I tend to do games that that run maybe 10 sessions and I have it kind of mapped out beforehand, right? How how long I expect the game to go. And usually I'm, I'm right within a session or two. And those games, I kind of need characters that are developed like they are people, right? Like you, they are believable people because they're going to they're going to grow and change during this game but they already need to be kind of somewhat uh, developed. And so I, I think you guys have both hit on a really good point there where it's, it's yeah, growth through game is important and it is important to kind of keep in mind, okay, am I playing this game with my friends just ongoing? Like it's, it's we're going to play it until we don't want to play it anymore or is this a particular story or plot that we are playing through and it is a very uh, set time frame? that they have to, to develop these characters. Um, so it's, it's really good. Uh, I suppose I can, I can hit a little bit on my red flags and green flags. You guys have done a, a great job uh, in terms of, of mapping this out. So I, I agree with 99% of what you've already kind of said here. So for me, it's making characters that are sometimes a little bit too complex, right? A little bit too much, right? Uh, we all know like the, the ridiculous, like half, you know, half demon, half angel, uh, you know, their, their character concept is they want to kill God kind of thing, right? Like the, the super edgy, super unique, special snowflake type of things. I, I really like it when people stay away from those. Uh, and the games that I run don't kind of allow those anyway, because they're all of my games. People are human. That's, I, I don't generally run fantasy games. I, I generally run, um, kind of near modern games, and so, so some of the stuff I, I can thankfully avoid. What I really think, though, in terms of the the green flags is if someone comes to you and they they have an idea, right? They've got like, I really like this concept, right? Come to come to your GM with a concept rather than a character, because a character, you, you can fall in love with a character easier than you can fall in love with a concept, right? And if the GM says, no, this isn't super appropriate for this game, you might be more upset if you've already gone and fleshed out this character and fallen in love with this character and commissioned 18 fan art drawings of your character. <laughs> <laughs> Wonder who that could be. <laughs> uh, Dylan, I'm sure your character is great. Uh, she is. I've, I've Having actually seen her in action, I can vouch. Dylan's character is amazing. There we go. Yeah. So, yeah, if you come with a concept, though, you can really work with your your DM to flesh that out, to make something that is going to work in the game. And I'm going to do a, a sneaky little segue here to another topic that I wanted to to hit you guys with here, which is collaborative character design, because I am in love with collaborative character design is the only way I that I design characters now. And basically what I mean by that is getting together, if you can, either, you know, in person or online, with the GM 
and the other players in your game and having everyone kind of come up with their characters at the same time in the same place and bouncing ideas off of each other because that's where you get really interesting things. I'm not a big fan of everyone meeting for the first time at the start of the campaign. I've just done too many of those. You know, that was my life, you know, as a teenager type of thing. And now I usually make characters that at least are acquaintances, right? They, they at least know each other. There's there's a reason why they're together. We're not wasting any time with introductions and, and stuff. And the things that people come up with when you give them the option to work on a backstory with others, right? The secrets, the plots, the uh, the the familial ties, the friendship ties, romantic ties. Like it, there's so many things that can just elevate characters, right? Right off the bat, you can have uh, one of the the most fun I I had playing a a very weird game with my buddies one time was we were making characters that were kind of game streamers. Uh, to not to to put it too um, simply, but this was in kind of near future where you you went into like full VR basically to play games. And it was it was basically like we were famous World of Warcraft players in whatever World of Warcraft had like super full VR. So there was parts of the game that were played with kind of the White Wolf storyteller system. And those were the real life interactions. And then we would go into the game and we, we were basically playing Dungeons and Dragons. And with that system. And so it was a really neat idea, but he had the wrong group for it as as because he really wanted to do like crazy mechanics and stuff. And and part of his thing was like, oh, you're all going to be super min maxed characters in the game because you you know, you're you're all professional players and stuff. And he wanted to play around with that. We just wanted to do the real life section of the game and do like drama. <laughs> so but the nice thing was that we did this collaborative character design and one of my friends and I decided that. Oh, you know what? Let's let's do like a sibling thing. We'll do we'll do a brother and sister. And then that grew into like the sister had. So I, I was the brother in this, this scenario and I was kind of your like I, I was I was a bit of the face. Right. If um, and uh, but she was like the super skilled in the background, but super shy. She also had kind of like a she had some kind of um, wasting illness or, or disease type of thing. So she couldn't like physically she was quite weak and she couldn't do a lot of things. And so he was a little bit overprotective, but she was very, you know, she had lived her whole life like that. So she was very rebellious in, in, and trying to like go out and live a life, even though she was quite frail and it got into all sorts of, of, of trouble, but it just made for the best characters. Cause we could just go off of each other, have whole conversations, right. Where our, our poor GM was just like, you know, guys, I have a, I have a plot and we were just like and we were just having full um, family drama <laughs> arguments and discussions in, in character. But it made for such a memorable game, even if it wasn't what our GM intended necessarily. And I, I think more people need to embrace what you can do as a party before you even start the game. Right. The, the characters that you can make when you take that time to talk to each other to to plan out together instead of everyone just coming and bringing their set in stone ideas and their pre-made characters so session zero collaborative uh character creation thank you for coming to my ted talk you know i actually have uh had a collaborative effort uh character creation before but unfortunately 
it was in a time when we were all a bunch of uh, undedicated teenagers uh, at the time. But, like, my DM, when he made characters, when he was doing the character creation session, he's like, you know, you can have as much freedom as you want on this. Like, it's set as, like, you know, part of a part of like this baron's house or whatever um so you could you could be a son of the the baron you could even be a baron if you want to be you could be a knight whatever like just within those parameters and so i'm like you know what i'll take you up on that i'll be a baron and it's like okay you have a son your son is this other character <laughs> and, <laughs> and so like bringing it in this suddenly we're like, oh gosh, you're my father, you're my son. Uh, so we, after getting over that initial shock, we we had to talk about like, okay, how our relationship goes, like, and suddenly that spread into like, okay, the Baron has his like most trusted guard, the Baron's son has his own most trusted guard. Uh, but it's more like a friend because the Baron's son is like very is very rebellious in that way. While the Baron just wants you know his son to inherit the throne one day. So it was this whole thing, and it was beautiful, because like with that we managed to like get down characters for everybody else in that same vein. It was a really cool idea. Yeah. Yeah. And absolutely, like this, and this goes back to my 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 big tenant of of role-playing for for gms one of my my biggest best role-playing tip is gms let your characters do work for you let your characters do work for you because if you get them engaged they will start to create this world for you right they will add little details about their families if two of them are brother and sister or father and son type of thing they'll they'll you know if you have good players they'll start kind of taking a few of those reins and then you get to kind of enjoy that creation, spontaneous creation process that usually you're the one giving out, right? And uh, yeah, I love that, Darcy. I love, and sometimes having asymmetrical power dynamics in a game is really fun too. You need mature players to do it. I wouldn't do it with a bunch of teenagers, but having one of the players who is, um, for example, I, I did a, a Dark Heresy game, which is the Warhammer, old Warhammer 40,000 um, uh, role-playing game from years and years ago. And I had one of the characters be kind of the the Inquisitor, which is kind of your your main guy, the guy giving orders to everyone else. But because of that and everyone having their own agenda and stuff, it, it created a really neat structure of of game and the way that the characters interacted with each other was really neat i've also had games where we played kind of the starship crew like a bridge crew on a in a star trek-esque type of game and so you have a character that's a captain or a chief engineer and that kind of thing and and just seeing how those relationships develop because these characters are in different dynamics like that but still very familiar with each other is really fun so play with character creation Play with it. Don't just come to the table with your character. Build your character with your your group. I've been a little too stubborn in the you know you all meet individually, uh, and the and the taking it sort of one on one with the player, me and them, and less so them and them, right? And my first sort of foyer and experience into that was through you two in uh, Mother of the Sea with Gilvan and Stefan. 
where I sat you two down and you made characters at the same table at the same time. And I remember, Darcy, you were sort of thinking about how you would shape it. And I, I threw out a, a, a place for you, the corpse tree. And I like this sort of dynamic you two made of this sort of uh, holy theurgic priest and this almost sort of not God-hating, but less sort of religious and more so skeptical individual of those deities. And it creates that interesting clash with the two characters. And I'm kind of being sold on the idea of getting it down. Because let me tell you, <laughs> writing each character individually and figuring out how they all meet up is getting a bit tiring. And oh boy, wouldn't it be easy if they all sat in a room and all know each other from the very get-go, from the start. And that would be such a burden off of my shoulders. And they could just have so much fun, like you said, interconnecting each other and how this relationship, whether it be siblings, whether it be parental, whether it be childhood friends, uh, has developed over, essentially, for, because, you know, characters are typically adult, years, actual in-game years. Uh, more minds allow for greater depth and birth. And I got to get into this stuff more because... Boy, howdy. Mm. So one solo, one guy, one guy at a time. It's taking its toll. Something I wish I would have done um, with, like, with my current campaign is, like, is do a lot more of that collaborative efforts. Because what I ended up doing with the, with the characters, I had them in pairs when they started. And I wish I could have done a lot more of that collaborative like oh they've been traveling together for a longer time i just kind of rev revealed it to them as they came uh when we started on session zero just like okay well you've been uh you've been sailing with this with this gentleman uh and this guy's your cabin boy uh and this this guy is is picked on a lot by the other sailors so you guys have that you guys crashed your ships into each other and so you're like stuck on this small little craft together kind of thing and, um i wish i could have fleshed that out a little more and had them collaborate and whatnot i really loved what happened even with those pairings just from that session zero has it like like I had the uh, I I paired up this barbarian with a wizard, and they like crashed their ships into each other. And just like, well, I guess we're roommates now. We <laughs> uh, were roommates. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I really liked that dynamic there, and that's <laughs> persisted a lot. Um, but I wish I could have played a little more with that like had them in the same room when I was doing that and be just like this is what you guys were doing together so that's something I will, I'm gonna try a lot more going forward I think because I I too am really sold on this idea yeah it's <laughs> one of those things that I think once you see the power of it in terms of firstly lightening your load as GM but also having your characters a little bit more fleshed out maybe getting something maybe you know players bouncing ideas off of each other and, and building their characters with the help of each other which I, I really do enjoy uh you can you can do a lot with it it's it's pretty wonderful one of the things that i i do want to talk about before we go to our break and, and get into our uh, challenge for this week though is uh character creation in terms of the the rules and 
now I mean, both of you guys are are D&D guys primarily. And so it's it's a little bit different for you than it is for me. So I play generally fairly rules light systems because I don't include a lot of combat in my games, so I don't really need a lot of hard rules. I don't need magic rules, that kind of thing. My games are very mundane. And so I I like to give players a little bit more agency when it comes to character creation because of that, where the game is mostly them actually role playing. So so talking to to me as as the numerous NPCs talking to each other, investigating, doing basically all the the stuff around combat and combat is is a rare kind of climax to a a, a session or you know just something that happens if st- stuff goes really wrong. I don't feel like I have to to police them in terms of what kind of characters they can put on on the paper. Uh, so usually what I'll tell my my group is I want you to make me a person, right? I want you to make me a fully realized person. And the skills you have is the skills you have. If you can rationalize it, you can have it. You know, if you're like an, a, an Olympic weightlifter, you can have that that five dots in strength. You can we can we can go there. Um, and what I found is really interesting that my characters and this may just be the group that I've I've been with. They have generally made their characters with less than what the starting characters would get if I made them go through and say, you know, this many, uh, you have this many points to spend here or here or here. Um, but it has led them to kind of make what I think is more authentic characters in just that they're not looking for random places to put those last few skill points or attributes. What they're doing is they're they're thinking about in their head what is this person? What can they do? What can't they do? And they're just filling it in that way. And I've yet to find any of them that have been, you know, overpowered or too strong or too ridiculous for the game. And it's just something I want to throw out there for people who run games that are a little bit either storyteller system from White Wolf or or more rules light games. You get a, there's too many to name at this point. But um, yeah, just if you if you trust your players, it might be something to consider. Um, have you guys done that before? I know D and D is a much different beast, of course, and, and stats matter a whole lot more. But uh, what what kind of leeway do you think, if if any? I actually kind of go in the opposite direction a lot of the time, which is funny for a system like Dungeons and Dragons, which is very heavy on already players being sort of you know superhuman, and that I push the limits of that. For instance, one of the one of the characters in my games. Um, I made him a, a large creature, which is to say he occupies a, a, a 10 by 10, two tiles by two tile space, which is very unorthodox for D&D as a system and sort of breaks a lot of things. And I want to push the limits to see like, okay, what challenges does you being a hulking behemoth really bring to this game? And how do you tear apart its fundamentals because you are just that massive and the game has at every turn told you, don't make them this big. And I've done that. And it's kind of just made him a great... He's a barbarian. So, of course, he hits things even better. But it's put him in, like, a lot more interesting scenarios where I can do, like, this normal kobold cave is now, like, a little crawl space that he has to... He can't bring his weapon through. He has to go through and smash things with his fists because it's too big, right? And now these little creatures actually pose a threat to such a such a behemoth, you know, David Goliath and all that. When it comes to players 
uh, being almost underpowered or more so sort of taking the reins. Sometimes I'll have them, you know, I have another player who's like, I want to do axes. That's my thing. I want axes. And the class they're playing typically doesn't allow that. So, of course, it's a storytelling game. Have fun. You give them an axe. You throw them a bone and be like, what's the, what's the worst that could happen? Because really, a weapon proficiency doesn't break anything. But for, for more, I guess, crippled characters, I, I, had, I get a lot of amnesia. Which is something, and it's like right. Basically, that's just write my backstory for me. Yes, which is I'm like exactly mm, what that is. No, <laughs> no, I won't. Um, but I I don't get a lot of that, and I think that's just because of the system. It's because five E is so mechanics heavy, or D and D, in that players are going to try and be as powerful as possible, and if not the stats they have is going to make it difficult for them to actively detriment themselves and be like, I want a six in two of my stats. It's like, oh, oh, baby. Oh, no. Maybe rethink that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, this actually lends itself. I'm going to I'm going to bring out both my inner writer and my inner weeb for this here because uh Okay, because you you touched on a very, very, very important thing uh, in the writing world, and it's exactly that. Flaws. Flaws are great for a character because it provides challenge. And challenge is something you should always strive for when you're writing, lest you craft a complete and utter Mary Sue. Nobody likes a Mary Sue. Like you, you, you get those, you get those fan fiction writers, and all their characters like nothing bad happens to them, and they're the perfect thing all the time, and, and their only issue is like, oh, woe is me! I'm so, I'm so perfect. Like at that point, you wonder why people don't want to read that story. It's because it's not interesting. It's not engaging. There's no challenge. There's a reason that um, I'm gonna bring up one of my one of my favorite mangas of all time. One of uh, One Piece is when is when the characters they get the shit beat out of them constantly. Like, yeah, you could just, like, have the characters one-shot everything, but is that interesting? No. They're, like, sometimes they get separated from the party and have to deal with a whole bunch of other things. Sometimes they get trapped somewhere and have to fight their way out of it. Like, stuff like that. Their sense of direction leads them astray entirely. And having that, having those little flaws will add up and it'll make things, it'll make those challenges all the more satisfying to see overcome. You want to root for them because, like, hey, we know these characters are, are powerful. But at the same time, like, we want them to overcome their challenges because it's hard for them. That's why I love challenges. Absolutely. You're, you're talking about basically the fundamentals of storytelling here. And if you've got a perfect character, you don't have a story. Right. There's there's nothing for them to overcome. We're going to do a whole episode on flaws, actually. It's going to be because it's there's so much to talk about there in, in terms of 
designing flaws what are what are good flaws for characters what are what are going to get you in trouble and and what are things that are begging to to be explored that kind of thing because you're you're absolutely right darcy the flaws not only are they they're not only are flaws fun which is kind of our mantra at the the table when when i'm designing a game and i'll just uh but they're they're necessary you have to have them right otherwise there's there's no point right (laughs) um So I think what we're going to do is take a little break and then we will come back for our challenge. What's that? Robot blood. Always knew the industrial age would end in chaos. Be sure to tell the young woman that mother sends regards. Good night, campers. You are trespassing on SeaWorld property. What if these things can read our minds? They're gonna be awful mad when they get to me. Welcome to the Video Cult. We're dedicated to bringing to light some of the most weird and wonderful movies you've ever or never seen. Dead teenagers' brains. Jamal, what's really in there? Dead teenagers' brains. Cult classics, B-movie masterpieces, Diamonds in the Rough. Join Josh, Gabrielle, and myself, Nathan, for deep dives and scene-by-scene breakdowns of these entertaining cinematic oddities. Are you wearing a condom? What? No, I didn't think so. Well, this is a safe sex zone, sir, so you're gonna have to move along. The first three episodes drop July 19th everywhere you get podcasts. Welcome to the cult. Dust off that VCR, and don't forget your popcorn. Thank you. Have a nice day. Are you challenging me? You challenge me, Marvel. It's really hard. The challenge. Are you up for it? Welcome back. Now it's time for our challenge. This week's challenge is Dope Tropes. And uh, for this one, I set us on the path of creating a character for use in a fantasy setting. The character must be based on one of the following tropes, but with a twist to make them more engaging or relatable. So first up was the chosen one. This is the uh, character destined to save the world slash kingdom slash universe. The second option was secret heir to the throne. And this is, of course, separated from a royal family at birth, or perhaps the family was deposed and you are trying to win back the birthright. Uh, The third one is former bad guy, used to serve the uh, big bad evil guy or similar and is now looking for redemption. And finally, we have the half-blood prince. And this is usually the, the weird mix of species hero whom the whole world is against. Or just like a, a weird, unusual person with weird, unusual powers that the the world doesn't like because of of his powers. So I, tr- I tried to hit on all the big storytelling tropes there, and uh, I'm very curious to see what you guys have gotten into. But uh, since I went first or last last time, I'll go first this time. And uh, so here is mine, and I chose the uh, the chosen one as as my archetype to base this off of. So, in the fallen province of Northmarch, the serfs of the Dark Lord toil ceaselessly under a pall of evil. Their wretched existence is one of unbroken misery. Yet even in this forsaken land, a spark of hope remains. 
Tales told in whisper of a chosen child, a being so holy that the Dark Lord loses sleep over the thought of his coming. Such a child could save Northmarch. And he would, if he hadn't died at age seven from a nasty case of boiling pox. This is the tale of his brother, Renton. Renton was there when his brother died, as his family wept over the, uh, the last life in, uh, in his dear brother, Renton bent down to give him a kiss on the forehead. Chance or fate dictated that he did this at the exact moment when his brother's soul was departing. He was overcome as a thin white light exited his brother's mouth, and he gasped as it entered his own. He wasn't sure what had just occurred, but didn't want to tell his family that he might have just inhaled his own brother's soul. Since that day, Renton has felt strange, like he's being pulled in two directions at once. He occasionally loses time. It started at just a few minutes. On recent occasions, he's found that an hour or more has passed with no recollection of what he was doing. He's even started taking up some of his brother's interests, despite not enjoying them. Though he won't give voice to it, Renton is worried that his brother's spirit is inhabiting his body, and that he is slowly losing control. He wants nothing more than to be himself, but unknown to him, his brother has unfinished prophecy business, and Renton might just have to be his stand-in, if he doesn't lose his mind first. So that <laughs> that was it was written kind of in a, in a silly fashion, but I actually really like this character because it gives a little bit of a twist on the chosen one trope of his brother was a chosen one, his brother dies. Uh, accidentally or on purpose uh, inhabits his soul and now you get a character where you actually get the opportunity to maybe play two characters throughout the the span of the game and kind of see if the other players notice the difference between the two play or like the two characters also the idea that one brother kind of wants nothing to do with adventures and, and prophecies and that kind of thing whereas the other brother just has this innate knowledge that like he was destined to save this this world I think there's a lot of fun. I think there's also kind of a tragic aspect to it too, is if you had it so that Renton was eventually totally subsumed and the brother, the the dead brother took over kind of his, his body and, and went on this quest. And what does that, you know, say about, about prophecy and that kind of thing. And, and the, the kind of tragedy of, of losing oneself into something that is, is bigger than you, but ultimately, necessary to save this world so that's kind of what i wanted to play with for those uh in the themes in that one absolutely i actually really like the kind of the the two different characters in the in the in that kind of body i actually really like that idea and it's a fascinating thing to try and uh and, and, and it lets you be a little bit, a little bit wacky with how you do things too. It lets you be just like it lets you form two, two these two like characters separate from one another, and like having, and essentially, like you also kind of get to have drama with yourself. <laughs> you do, you do, and I, I like the fact that it, it does. It is prone to like kind of those comedic moments, and it, it's also prone to. You know, as the campaign goes on, what maybe one of the characters, you know, maybe Renton, he he gets developed in a in a different way, and he wants to he wants to kind of exercise his brother, and and what if what are the implications of that for for the campaign, you know, 
is is does it end up fighting and does one or the other end up in total control or you know is does Renton you know become part of the party and everyone knows him and then suddenly like one day you wake up and he's gone and he's you know it's just his brother's personality now that's taken over and what does the party think of that and how does how does that react so I, I just wanted to to have a lot of things to play with with that character I like it's it's very Jekyll and Hyde mm-hmm. but it's but he's good but he's a good guy kind yeah. of it's like a you can almost have the brother be like a an antagonistic force to Renton's perspective, right? And to his views. Oh, absolutely. And that was that was kind of my my plan with it. There's no bad guy in the situation. It's just the fact that like this happened and it's weird and now you have to live with this uh, if you can. So, yeah. Uh Dylan, what do you got for us today? It seems we're doing a trend of um sort of echoing the one after. I also did the chosen one. Okay. Uh, which is just happenstance. Darcy, I hope you have something unique for us. And we didn't all just pick the chosen one and leave the others to go unrepresented. But it's okay because then the audience can fill in the blanks of the other ones and just kind of take ours as a base point. Um, uh, I wrote just this little thing uh, simply known as The Night. Penelope Oakscriber worships and praises this figure of legend, attempting to live up to their inspiring deeds. The knight is a warrior of awesome power who has slain dragons and wields a mighty set of great blades destined to bring this kingdom to an age of prosperity. Penelope herself, however, has seen herself delving into the lair of Kobolds and shooing away the tiny tyrants. She is this small farm town girl with no real uh, great note. Uh, however, she does uh, have this background and her father was a guardsman of the kingdom. And in fact, uh, she's gone on to take some of these uh, heirlooms from her father, a, a precious uh, sword in which he bestowed down to her as well as this uh, this second blade, rebuilt from like a simple toy uh, wooden impersonation that's now built into the hilt. And she, she goes around and tries to sort of become like an adventurer, right? And it, it just so happens that the armor which Penelope has donned herself with to uh, stave off injury includes this bulky visor which obscures her face and identity. And sometimes, you know, she's mistaken for this far more larger and imposing individual uh, than the small farm girl she truly is. Now, of course, the twist is this knight Penelope worships the ideals of is herself, and she has no idea of it. She is a self-made legend through tall tales and misadventures to save the world. And though she's not aware of it yet... She is the hero which this land and its common folk need the most. That's it. Penelope was is just this little 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 gal who's you are you are the chosen one. You don't know. You actually like the chosen one. You want to be the chosen one and you have no idea it's you and he's out there and you're sort of chasing after this figure and it's like sort of a dog chasing after its own tail. It's incredibly simple. Yeah. I kind of love that. Yeah, it's very wholesome. I really like that a lot. Yeah, it's very sweet. The idea of, yeah, she she has this 
this idea of of what this night is and she's she's trying so hard to to kind of live up to that legend but doesn't realize that she's made herself that like she she is that now to to the others i think that's so cool yeah what a great what a great concept now darcy are you gonna blow us out of the water actually uh <laughs> i've uh I did the chosen one. No, I'm kidding. I <laughs> okay. didn't actually. I did. <laughs> I did. I didn't actually. I. I actually went with the uh, with the secret heir to the throne. The next one down. Okay. okay. Nice. Um. So. Uh, so. This is a. I. 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 Before I throw this at you, uh, I'm. I have a little monologue typed up here for him. So. This is the uh, this is the soliloquy of Zax Willwater. You have the wrong guy. There's no other way around it. I have lived my entire life here on this island. I have a beast in my head that comes out when I least expect it. I can't do any of this. On top of that, I have siblings who have all left the island to try and find a cure for us so we can all live normally. That is family. Up until recently, I had a mother who took care of all of us and did her best to provide for us. That is family. That's my point. And now you waltz in here telling me that it was all fake? That I'm some snooty prince with a father and a younger sister that I have just never met before? who only, after two decades, decided to even acknowledge my existence. And above all else, I'm the only one that can take this throne now. Yeah, some family. What I had, up until you showed up, that was family. There's no taking away from that, even if Mother is dead. Even if I haven't heard from my siblings in years. Hmm. You know, I just thought of something. You really want me to take this throne of yours? Let me show you what real family is like. Help me find my siblings and help us cure our affliction. If you still feel like I'm the guy you want after all of that, then we'll talk. Until then, don't call me Prince. I'm nothing more than a comrade until proven otherwise. Nice. Is he a werewolf? <laughs> of a sort, yeah. So, like, Zex was stolen from his family at a young age, at, at an age when he was just a baby, and was taken in by this family. However, the family was all... The twist is the family was, like, all cursed with, like... Kind of what you said, like, this form of lycanthropy, in a sense. That they turn feral in... And when they least expect it. Uh, which could, like, cause chaos and whatnot. And he has... And all the siblings have different ways that manifests... So essentially, that uh, adds for uh, that makes uh, for some uh, optional boss fights as well with some of this stuff. 
but it's also a struggle like within himself to like not unleash this beast within anything i was just gonna say i really love it's in in the opening i mean throughout the that the monologue that you had there he's basically just like you know they've they've shown up and they're just like oh actually you're you're a prince and he's like no thanks for ruining my life <laughs> but i love i love that i love someone who is just like no 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 like what i had was better i don't care like just and i could i could totally see him being like oh you've you've helped me find my real family thanks i abdicate fuck off <laughs> that's a choice that you can make with this for like <laughs> at the end of it just like yeah um maybe, i don't know about that um but that's that's just it um it's all it's all that kind of stuff that you can just put into uh that you could just take however many different ways that you want it's like I guess, like, the, the point of that being, like, okay, he lived alone with his mother after his siblings went out, and then, like, as soon as whoever shows up, like, his mother just dies. And at that point, it's just like, hold on, I can't, I can't deal with this right now. You're telling me all of this, and my mother just died. Like, what am I supposed to do with that? To hell with all of this you know what, help me find my siblings and then we'll talk. Like, that's... <laughs> so there's, like, a sense of... a sense of danger within that, but also, like, there's a, there's a story behind it. Oh, absolutely. Like, that's that's a whole campaign in itself, right? Like, that's that's a whole plot you've just come up with. You didn't... Jim doesn't have to do a goddamn thing. It's like, okay, go, go, go do that thing you said you were going to do. Awesome. <laughs> now, now, do they all work as party members? Hmm... I, you know, this is a good point. You've got one character. Actually, it, it's interesting that you brought up the 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 multiple personalities kind of thing, Nathan. Because like, that's kind of what I went with as well. With like this, I mean, going feral in a sense. <laughs> so, did we all go with alter egos? Yeah, sorts? kind of. Same with yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so would they all work together as a party? Uh. Well, essentially, each of us is... Party of six. Yeah, exactly. Not really playing with one... <laughs> Not really playing as one character. It's We're doing double duty for each. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Wow, yeah, I didn't even pick up on that. Yeah. <laughs> oh. um, yeah, it's it's hard having two chosen ones in in a s- single party, but you could probably, you could probably massage it to, to make it work. I do love the th- the fact that like the two characters talking, Darcy, mine and yours, used to be like, "Oh, I have a, I have, I have something within me," and my character would be like, "Ah, oh, me too, me too," and he'd be like, <laughs> "Oh, it's it's a beast, it's a it's a wild animal, I can't control it," and my character would be like, "Oh, like mine's mine's my brother. <laughs> he 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 was he was a good kid. He might be taking over my brain." <laughs> like, <that's, laughs> I mean. Uh, one of those is slightly edgier. Yeah, yeah, but at the same time, it's like still a struggle for dominance, right? Yeah. It's like it, it, it is. It's it's two sides of the same coin. It's just two very different sides of that coin. Absolutely, that's hilarious that we. <laughs> we 
kind of thought of that all the same. Great job, guys. Those were fantastic. I, I think we're all winners this week, considering we all kind of had basically the same idea. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't have anything more to say on that. I, I think those are great characters. If you hear any character concepts on this show that you like, you want to you want to steal them, you want to you want to purloin them, put them in your game or just take the concepts and rework them into your own characters. Uh, these are our OCs. So do please steal them. Uh, please steal anything on this show. Uh, we love that. And uh I think that's going to do it for this one, folks. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. And until next time, have a great week. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, please give us a five-star rating on your podcast platform of choice. And don't forget to share the show with your friends, family, and that eldritch horror lurking just out of sight. You can connect with playing the role on Facebook to see upcoming challenges and news.